0: I can see a shoot just as a cattle will because that's something my autism lets me do. You wacko. I
1: know my system will work because I've been through it a thousand times in my head. What do you see when you think about being excluded because you were a woman?
0: Oh, I see um, bull testicles put on my vehicle. That scene in the movie actually happened. It did. Yeah, being a woman in the man's industry in the 1970s was a much bigger barrier than autism ever was. And now things are really different. There's lots of women now in the
1: cattle industry. Lots and lots of them now. Yeah, I love it. That was an incredible scene, by the way. And that actually happened. I can't even imagine. In the 1970s, Temple Grandin, an autistic female working in an entirely male-dominated world of livestock handling, single-handedly improved the industry, so much so that today major corporations won't use vendors who do not meet her standards, and half of the cattle in the country are raised in facilities that she's designed. Temple continues to teach, write, and speak about improving our world. Here's part two of our recent four-part interview with Temple Grandin.
0: People working with animals need to recognize things like, what are the ears doing? What is your animal attending to? Be a good observer. In a lot of the talks I'm doing now, I talk about the visual thinkers like me who think in pictures. See, an animal is a sensory-based thinker. So if you think in pictures, it's easy to understand how an animal might think. And when you just think in words, things tend to get way too theoretical. You see, as
1: a visual thinker, I'm a bottom-up thinker. So I start thinking about
0: how do you implement something.
1: And I love that concept because our organization, we bring out school children and we, we try to start with them very young and we introduce them into nature and, and to animals and, and empathy for animals. And that's so important to me. And I know it is for you as well. So how do you see that work? And do you think more organizations should be working towards things like that?
0: Well, and I'm going to talk it more in generalities, things I've learned is where people get in trouble they get too big gets out of control okay the other thing um is uh, cost cutting to the point where things go really wrong Mm -hmm. that happens in all kinds of industries all kinds of um, enterprises
1: my organization started on just 10 acres of property across my street from my home and and just because we're growing doesn't mean we're getting better and so i would love to pick your brain i get very
0: concerned about things growing too fast Mm Uh, there was a very bad example uh, of a person who was raising some dairy calves doing an absolutely beautiful job of raising dairy calves. And then he expanded and started a facility in another state. So he was no longer on the site and the place in the other state was a mess because he was no longer there to manage it. When it comes to my animal work, uh, when I was in my twenties, I thought I could fix everything with uh, engineering and equipment. Okay. And what I've learned is you can only fix half the problems with equipment. Common mistake that's often made, and I've seen this made in education too, think, well, we get these new computers, we get this smart board, we get this, we get that. That's going to fix everything. That doesn't replace good teaching. You know, the fanciest facility doesn't replace the management side of things. Especially some of that factory farming work that you you are so um, famous for. Well, the thing I've worked on the most has been livestock handling. And that's a thing that's really improved. Big buyers drive change. And I don't care right. if it's animals or it's clothing. The You're clothing industry, right. another industry has got real serious problems. Okay, I want to hear about that. Well, how about a factory that burnt up and killed 100 people selling blue jeans? Oh. Yeah, really bad. And in some of the work I did with large buyers of meat, um, I watched reactions that were like that show Undercover Boss. Okay. When vice president-level executives got out and saw some bad stuff, animal welfare went from an abstraction that you delegate the legal or the PR department to something real, going, yes, there's some things here that are really bad, and we need to change it. But on the other hand, some of the activists have said everything's terrible, and that wasn't true either. But there were things that needed to be changed. And And I did a lot of this work back in 1999 when McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's, uh, I worked on implementing those programs. And I saw more change in a six-month period than I'd seen in a 25-year career prior to that. And most of the places didn't have to be rebuilt. They just had to have repairs, non-slip flooring, supervision and training, and removal of three plant managers out of about 75 plants.
1: I think um, everyone in the animal welfare world rejoiced when, when McDonald's hired you as a consultant. I mean, what a step to moving forward, right? That would well, never and the happen.
0: Well, the thing that uh, made it work was, uh, you know, when you get vice president-level executives out, in fact, McDonald's, has, uh, uh, got, the person I worked for, Bob Langert, has a book. It's called The Battle to Do Good. Okay.
1: And he has an entire chapter on the work that I did on the livestock facilities. One thing when I started 15 years ago, I had to overcome um, the kind of crazy animal person file. You know, everybody everybody thought the advocates were so extreme and, and crazy that I couldn't really get anything done. Like I, I went to the sheriff's department who was not really taking animal cruelty cases very seriously, but I realized it's because these, these advocates were pushing a little too hard and not trying to come up with... Well, a, the
0: other thing is is scientific research shows very clearly there's a link between uh, domestic violence and that's cruelty right. to animals. That has been documented.
1: That's right. And, and so can you speak a little more to that? Because that's one of the main things we do when we teach uh, law enforcement about animal cruelty. It's so important.
0: Well, and there's been, you know, all the terrible videos that have shown up online. And I remember one horrendous video about 20 years ago, a guy beating the sows up the gate rod. And they later found out that he was also beating up his wife. And he'd get so angry at the sow over just nothing. She'd start to move for him, and he'd just take the gate rod and keep whacking her.
1: And I found out later on that he'd gotten in trouble for domestic violence, too. Well, and and what we teach is that... um... If you can if you can get these people early on with a with an animal abuse charge, it puts them on the radar, and it does sometimes prevent them from doing it to their wife or their children.
0: Well, it's one of the things I've learned with a lot with lots of people handling animals, like lots of cattle or lots of animals. Is there are certain people that should not be handling animals? Yeah. Absolutely, should not be. They enjoy being mean to them. That's right. And That's I was awesome. out on construction crews when we were installing equipment in large cattle operations and when you were a construction worker you were invisible and they do stuff in front of you that was really bad and there's always one ringleader the other employees sometimes just didn't know you know, how to react and you have to get rid of that person and I'm going to guess in some of the work I've done some of the large meat plants and some other big places there's about 10% of the people you need to get rid of it's
1: just that simple it's got to be difficult to find people that are both compassionate and and work in these well, places. Well, the other
0: thing is don't understaff and overwork. That's right. That's really, really essential. And you have strict rules, real strict thou shalt nots. And I have written some of those guidelines. And it's made very clear that if you do some of those thou shalt nots, you will be fired.
1: And you you talk about, too, um, having cameras in some of these places.
0: Yep, and that's made a difference. That
1: has made a difference
0: in those cameras. in the successful programs have been audited by uh, outside observers that log in from a remote location. But cameras are not going to replace all the supervision. When COVID went on, they said, oh, we can do some of these welfare audits, you know, just on cameras. No, you cannot totally replace on-the-ground live uh, inspections. But one thing the cameras do that's really good is it
1: solves that problem of acting good when they see the person with the clipboard. Check out part three of our interview where Temple offers her unique perspective and advice about visual thinkers and getting results by accepting the need to embrace different minds. And for more information about Temple, go to templegrandon.com. I'm Laurie Hood. Thanks for listening.
0: For more information, go to aliqua.org backslash podcast. And be sure to check out the video versions on Lori Hood's Difference Makers YouTube channel.